<laughs> Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave DiOrio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by a guy who, who, who cannot grow a full beard. What's up, Gene? No, that's true. I, there's these two slots, like right here, that will not connect. So you can get like sideburns, goatee, Fu Manchu, nothing. Nothing. Yeah. You got to power through. Yeah. So uh, my name is Gene Zilek. You can find me on Twitter at Producer Gene. And you can find the show at Potadelphia. <laughs> it's just you and me tonight. No uh, no Sarah, no Nico. I know. I know. Just us two. We have to deal with just you and me. Hanging out. And, you know, it's it's funny. It's like, oh, my God, there was the Super Bowl was on Sunday. And it's it's absolutely buried in the list of things, uh, list of things to talk about. And it was it's not like it was a, a dud of a game. Like it went down to the final. That was a great game. Possession. It was, it was one game. of the more entertaining Super Bowls that I've watched in a really long time. Um, probably the most entertaining one since 2017, which is the most entertaining Super Bowl in the history of Super Bowl. We'll never Bowl. be defeated. Uh, the until the next Bowl. time the Eagles beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. So yes, no. <laughs> I don't even know if that one will be as good as as, as the the original win. Uh, before we get into some other stuff, did you um, did did you like after the Super Bowl get to go through your social media feed and find all your boomer relatives who are like worst halftime show ever? I didn't have to go very far. I mean, like, <laughs> as soon as you open. Open the thing. Total garbage. Well, and the and the bar I was at was sort of populated. I mean, it's it's it was a uh, it was one of the first Super Bowls I've actually like went out for the Super Bowl. Usually I'm 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 a watch the Super Bowl at home, but I had no desire to like yeah. go and gather takeout and all of the stuff that you do for Super Bowl. It's just me and my one buddy that really were interested. We had invited other people, nobody seemed to care, so we were like, "Fuck it, we're just gonna go." We're gonna camp out at a bar. We had our own TV to ourselves. Uh, they were doing. They had done twelve thousand dollars in wings, like by four o'clock in the afternoon at this bar that I was at. So as soon as we would like think the word wing, wings would appear at our table. So you really couldn't beat it. Um, so we just sat, camped out, did the whole thing. But the people, the other people that were there, there were people that were honestly there. I think just having like their Sunday night dinner. And we're like, why are all the TVs on the same thing? The early bird. The early bird special. Bro, bro, it's the Super Bowl. Nobody's watching anything else. That's yeah. It was a fun, it was a fun Super Bowl. And then when the halftime show came on, there was this one couple that was like, Can you turn this off? I don't want to Where did you hang out, Gene? I like honestly, like what how do you even find yourself in a place that has people that don't want to watch the Super Bowl? I don't know. I don't know. That's fine. But I wanted to watch the Super Bowl. And I, anyway, I, like and the, I am, I do feel my I heart. I really my, like the halftime show personally. I don't know about <laughs> you, but I really liked it. Yeah, it was great. I, my heart really went out after the Super Bowl to all the people of Cincinnati and St. Louis. Um, yes. Yeah. That or, was one yeah. of the conversations that the me and my fan had. Base. We're like, if you were in St. Louis right now today, yeah. Sunday. No, you're mad. Who were you rooting for? Like, who could you, you possibly for the be rooting for? Right. You had you to be rooting for, rooting for the Bengals. Well, it was funny. I was at the Sixers game on Saturday, and they uh, they do this thing where Franklin, who is the worst mascot of all time, uh, comes out with two easels, 
and uh, they put like two things on the easels, and he like points out, and you have to cheer like, "Oh, I like this one better!" Like, uh, and so they did the Super Bowl. They had the Rams and the Bengals, and the crowd went absolutely like it was like ninety ten Bengals support. Um, I feel like once you're, I've changed camps on this before when we did not have a Super Bowl. I never wanted any team that hadn't won a Super Bowl to win one. I was like, right. Saints, no, don't win the Super Bowl. Seahawks, no, don't win the Super Bowl. Um, and now I'm on the, I'm on the other end. More I'm like, every city, every city deserves to have a, a Super Bowl mm-hmm. celebration. So I was rooting for the Bengals. It was, it was not to be, but cover city, baby. I, I, I bet the Bengals, but I also parlayed the over, so I did not hit that. But I had taken no. a couple of um, MVP bets. And I did hit on Cooper Cup. Oh, nice! Good for you. Good for you. So yeah, I had should have listened to Mark and Philly and taken uh, uh, Matthew Stafford with the two seventy eight over passing yards. Yeah, that no, one that was, was my big bet. bet. I, I poured most of my money into that one. Yeah, that was a good bet. I and I really was hoping it was sort of looking. My buddy had uh, the Bengals kicker as the MVP, and it was looking like there was a possibility that like if they could have gotten in range and kicked. A field goal to go to overtime, and then he kicks a game winner. Maybe that pays off. He still wouldn't have won it. I thought Aaron Donald at plus two thousand was an interesting MVP. Bet. Well, anyway, and we're honestly, talking about like we're talking about like prop bets after the Super Bowl. It's really not probably not. Helpful. Yeah, anyway, the I mean, big like, the, the, the big news of the week, obviously, yeah. the trade. Ben Simmons gone. Ben real, bro. See you later. It's so and funny. James Harden, the beard is in town. Ringing it's so the funny bell to tonight. To the, re- to the reaction of all of these people now, a couple of days later, because that was last Thursday, to listen. Yeah. You know, the nice thing about us doing our format now is we have time to sort of listen to the other cuckoos go bananas before we have to react to anything. So before we, we go bananas. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Um, you know, everybody that's talking about it, they're so bent out of shape about, like, the trade now losing losing Curry. And it's like, you know, everybody was so done with Simmons because they everybody has just sort of written him off as ever playing for the Sixers again. It's almost like the, the, the trade was not Ben Simmons and it was like, oh, we had to give up Curry and Drummond for Harden. Yeah. Like, it's just insane how irrelevant, like, Ben Simmons as a person has sort of become – to like our consciousness as a fan base. Yeah. You almost forget that like he was a part of the deal because he was just a non-entity for the team for so long and they're playing so well without him. It was almost like, well, you know, he's the throw in to not, not the crown right. jewel of the trade, but yeah. you know, a guy who is like a, a, a perennial defensive player of the year candidate. I mean, the trade itself, I, like I'm not going to get into who won and, and, and who lost the trade. I mean, there's, there's people that are know more about it than than me have have weighed in. I I think it's good for both teams. I guess, like I, I honestly I feel like the Sixers made out on the trade because I don't like no matter what you think about Ben Simmons. Like as far as uh, like if you think this is oh this is like a great fit for Ben Simmons, like the ideal landing spot for him. If you're taking the Stephen A. Smith approach, like oh this is the most dangerous place for him to land. I, to me, he's still Ben Simmons. Like, there's nothing right. that, like, and we'll get into the the sort of the mental health um, argument, claim, problem. When did it start? When did it stop? Is it still going on? But no matter what, to me, it's fragile. Like, 
Ben Simmons is fragile, not physically, but I feel like psych- psychologically, it's a fragile situation. And and yes, right now, everything seems great, right? It's like, oh, I got out of my toxic Philadelphia situation, which we'll also talk about. And I'm I'm now into this ideal situation for me. I could, you know, the I finally I could breathe fresh air. I'm in Brooklyn and it's all great. But there is going to be adversity at some point. Yeah. And when that right. happens, what does a Ben Sim like? How does Ben Simmons handle that? And we've seen it; it he doesn't handle it well. I mean, like for some reason, we've had this track record of this type of person in Philadelphia that's just like, I'm not into adversity, and when I I get it, I shy away from it, and it's going to happen in, in Brooklyn. Well, I, I'll tell you. First of all, it's amazing to me how much of a bust that big three was. Harden, Kyrie, and um, Kevin Durant. They played 16 games together. The fact that, and the only reason that they didn't play more games together outside of, to a certain degree, I guess, injury. But, I mean, there were long stretches of this season where they were all healthy and couldn't get on the, they played 16 games together and that was, I think, two playoff series, which is the bulk of the time they played together. Um, So how were they ever going to be a juggernaut. It was just not going to happen. Somehow those personalities never really work. I tend to buy what James Harden said today in his press conference or leading up to the press conference where he always preferred Philadelphia. That was where he wanted to land last year when he was traded. Um, So it's almost like Brooklyn was sort of a detour on his way to where he actually wanted to go. Well, that's um, what he said. You know, you don't sense. get to pick all the time where where you get and, traded, right? And that's the thing. I think people forget that there are sort of there was still some controls there that Houston had when they traded traded him. The other thing is, a lot of people are complaining within the trade that we gave up those two first round picks. Like that's going to make Brooklyn so much better. Well, do you remember the haul of picks they had to give up to Houston? You know that you know they're just sort of re. And one of those I mean, picks, those picks, it's just, you know, yeah. first off, they'll be bad picks anyway, because it'll be late first round picks anyway. And the, you, you just don't know what's going to happen between now and then with trades and, and different situations. You the, could the get Sixers that. Sixers could absolutely recoup some yeah. of that capital. Before yeah, totally. So I'm not really even worried about the picks at this point. You know, another funny thing that came up in the James Harden press conference where, you know, he said that he, his, the question that led to him, uh, talking about Philadelphia was his preferred destination all along from going from Houston was dumbass Howard Eskin asked him how, like, can you explain how you've been on three teams in, in 18 months? Well, so I mean that when you frame it that way, it sounds like, Oh my God. Like if I said like, Oh, I had three jobs in 18 months. Well, only one of those jobs was a very short period of time. So right. if you said like, okay, well, he was on Houston for eight years, then he got traded to a team that he ultimately didn't want to play for, told that team he's not going to sign the player option to stay there. They traded him. They traded him for to try to get something before he walks. Right. How is any of that a disloyal teammate who quits on their team and you know it's just like uh constantly changing trying to change the scenery it just doesn't it just doesn't play like that and you're trying to like of course it's like wip you're trying to fit you're trying to fit the actual 
events into the narrative that you want to paint. And it's like, oh, my God, come off. it! And this is the guy who just got blasted uh, the day before by one of the Doc worst Rivers takes I've ever heard. Because he comes to the, the pregame press conference and it doesn't stay for the game. So he doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. And trade and trade and bead. Right. Trade and bead is one of the worst takes I've ever heard. Ever oh heard. Joel Embiid right now is like unquestioned the best big man, probably sure. the best player in the NBA. Sure. He's Just, anything. Yeah. Like, and it's, he's as close as you get to how a lot, old, right? you know what I mean? And he's he it, yeah. it's it's ridiculous. Even if he has a short career because of his size, he will go down as one of the all-time all-times. He's he's just that dominant. He does things on the court that other people have never done. And that's well, I mean, I don't want to put the horse in front of the car the carriage in front of the horse. Cart in front of the horse, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like I don't want to get into like Embiid's a Hall of Famer at this point, but he is playing on a sort of an unconscious level. I mean, we were, I was at the game on Saturday against the Cavs who were actually chasing in the standings and he put up a 40 point triple double. Like it was just no, no problem whatsoever. It was great. Right. It was a great atmosphere. I and mean, the Sixers are in a kind of a weird situation right now because Harden's not playing and you know, we're, we're short on pieces right now. So they're getting absolutely <laughs> decimated by the Celtics right now who are super hot. Yeah. Cause you've got no um, backup center and you've got no, you know, you've lost your shooter and you've yet to be able to bring in a couple of other pieces from the buyout market, which is that's going to happen, too. I don't think that we've seen that the Sixers team is in its finished product. But Darren Morey had to make this deal because your window for Joel Embiid playing at this level is small. And if you have the, the chance to bring in a top five player in the NBA, which James Harden certainly is capable of being, who is also a, a fit for this team. That's the other thing. It's not like they're bringing in another center. James Harden and Joel Embiid are going to be able to play on the court together and their games complement each other. So you also did see. not have to give up Thibel or Maxi, which is your future. Like those are the two guys that you're going to be able to have, that you have control over, yeah. that are playing above their draft status, that are very valuable <laughs> players to your team and other teams. This was an, you know, this was the deal that you had to make, and you had Brooklyn over sort of a barrel because Brooklyn knew that they weren't going to be able to keep Harden, and if they were going to try and reconstruct and save face with this big three experiment they tried to do last year, they had to bring in a player that they could sell as a marketable third player, and that was Ben Simmons for them. The problem is now you've got a guy like Kyrie Irving who we know can be unhinged, and you've got a guy like Ben Simmons who. We, we, you know, we've experienced sort of his ups and downs. I mean, specifically against Brooklyn in a playoff series, they would they were posting on uh, telephone polls in Brooklyn. Have you seen Ben Simmons in the middle of that series? You remember that? Yeah, of course. I mean, I bet they love him now. Like, now he's a now he's part of, he's part of a big three. He's an all star. He's he's great. We mistreated him. You know, but the whole you know, thing. do you think that there was some aspect of that Ben Simmons always thought that the Sixers were her his team? And, you know, he because he, I will tell you, he's he's not going to be it's not, Brooklyn will never was not going to be his team unless yeah, no, Kevin Durant and Kyrie not. retire. That's Kevin definitely. Durant's team. I, 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 I just don't know how you can be like, I, I I don't know if that was his mentality. If it was his mentality, I don't know how you can possibly even have that mentality. If you're like, I don't shoot, I don't score, I do other things. 
all these other things great and um yeah i just don't know how you could be like well i'm the i'm the owner of this is my team and by by the way steve nash's comments uh after acquiring ben simmons is was i i don't have the quote in front of me but he was basically saying like okay he does he does a lot of things on the basketball court that are great that i'm excited to see and shooting is not one of those things okay so here's what's your situation so now you're going to enable ben simmons you're going to basically say you are not here to shoot you're here to play defense and pass and and rebound so you're you're going to create this enabling situation and then when you want him to do it he's not going to do it this is this is the this is the thing it's like look how many years have we gone into the season watching ben simmons instagram videos of him at practice like dribbling around his brother and pulling up with a jumper and it's like oh my god ben simmons got a jump shot this year it's totally gonna happen like this is the year and then it doesn't happen it's never gonna happen and I can't wait to watch Brooklyn Twitter go like fall in love with this guy over and over and over. Like I'm already seeing it now. Like they're so hyped right. for Ben Simmons. It's like you have no idea like what you're you have no idea, which is why I'm getting like really annoyed with the outside Philadelphia basketball universe, like all of a sudden weighing in on the Ben Simmons situation. And it's like you don't know about my relationship. Like you don't know what I went through in this relationship. You're going to take her side? Like you haven't you don't know what she did to me? Like you don't, you want to talk about you want to talk about my side of the situation? Yeah. What I mean, about you foul can't shots? Comment huh? on my relationship. We're talking about foul shots. <coughs> we don't have to talk about threes. We can just talk about foul shots. <clears throat> I feel like I've been psychologically abused in this relationship. Well, coming off of that relationship with Markel Fultz, I mean, I guess it was one of those things that we just we just have a type. And the whole world clowned on this dude. Like, the whole world clowned on him. Do you remember the ESPYs? When Falcon was like, help us build schools in, in, uh, in third world countries with all the bricks Ben Simmons shoots. <laughs> like, the whole world clowned on this dude, and Philly stood up for him. Yeah. As best we could. Right. Well, time. I mean, you get to a point where you start to look ridiculous when you start taking his back. I was somebody that defended him for years, but he didn't care that I defended him. He didn't want he didn't want to do the things that eventually was going to he was going to need to do to help. I mean, ultimately, there were things that he needed to do so that the team would win. That was the thing is like he needed to improve these things so that the team would win. We weren't asking for anything impossible. We were asking for a a passable jump shot. You're an NBA player. We were asking you to be able to shoot, shoot better than Shaq in foul shots. These are things that you can improve on. You can practice them. I know we're talking about practice. Gene, but Gene, I'm going to ask you a loaded question now. A very, a very dangerous loaded question. Does Ben Simmons have mental health issues that he's that he's dealing with? Um, I'm actually going to say yes. Okay. I think that he definitely has some sort of mental health issues. Um, do I think that there wasn't some uh, amount of gamesmanship in here somewhere? There absolutely was. There absolutely was. If you listen to him, he was talking about like, you know, this was never about the players on the Sixers. It was never about the ownership. It was never about the fans. This is all about him being able to, get his mind right to be able to play. Um, 
It was never about money. He didn't care about money. Um, well, I mean, he cost himself a lot of it. So I think that there's probably some truth to that. But what have you do you have any recollection of there ever being a situation like this before with any player? I mean, he was he was under deeply under contract. You know, I, I get I sort of understand this was sort of the only tool he had in his arsenal was just to stop playing. But to not sort of advocate in a way that he, he just sort of just disappeared. Uh, I don't know. There, there is certainly something that's disconnected somewhere in there. Um, so, so that the, the I mean, like, I just want to understand the timeline of this. So, the timeline is the Hawks series. Uh, Joel said this was the turning point. Uh, Doc Rivers said that he doesn't know if you can build a championship team with Ben Simmons as the point guard. Ben Simmons now is like, okay, I demand a trade. Um, I don't, I don't what I played my last game as a sixer. I don't want to talk to any players. I don't, I don't, I, I'm refusing to talk to anybody. I'm, I'm out in California. I'm out in, I'm in England, like whatever. I, I, I'm totally shut down mode. Uh, I, I'll take the season off. I don't care. It's not about money. I just never want to play for the Sixers ever again. Then the Sixers start fining him. Then there's a mental health issue that comes up. And he kept, you know, this is just the timeline. Like this is just the timeline. timeline. And now, I mean, sort of in retrospect, he's also saying around the time at the end of the Hawks series, he's saying that that also coincided with things that happened in his personal life. We don't know what those things are or what he's referring to, but he's saying that these things coincided. And is this a matter of he saying, I'm going through this breakdown and but weren't there com- weren't there quotes, comments, something? I, I know he hasn't spoken to the media, but wasn't there reports that came out that it was about the coach? It was about Embiid's comments. It was about the his treatment in Philadelphia. But I mean, we all know how the game is sort of played. Is it possible that these are his handlers, his people trying to? generate the momentum that you need to generate to then get what your client wants. You have to sort of create this untenable situation. Obviously there was some truth to the fact that it was about Embiid and, and, and Uh, honestly, I think this is, I I think this is like a diffusion. Um, I'll read you the the Ben Simmons comment. For me, it was about making sure I was mentally right to get out there and play again. So that's something I've been dealing with. It wasn't about the fans or coaches or comments made about anybody. It was a personal thing for me that began earlier than the Hawks playoff series or even that season that I was dealing with. That organization knew that. It was something I continue to deal with. I'm getting there and getting to the right place to get back on the floor. The mental health has nothing to do with just the trade. It was a bunch of things I was dealing with as a person in my personal life that I don't want to go in depth with, but I'm here now and it's a blessing to be with an organization like this. I'm looking forward to get back on the floor and building something great here. So, uh, all right. So look, two things, right, right. So if this actually is a mental health issue that has nothing to do with the Sixers, that has nothing to do with Doc Rivers, has nothing to do with Embiid, it has nothing to do with the fans, the Nets have a the Nets have a problem on their hands, right? Right. I mean, he's not ready to play. He's still dealing with the issue. He says 
I mean, if we're taking Ben's comments at face value, the Nets have a problem on their hands, right? Well, and the other, I mean, the only other piece of evidence you can sort of go back to is we heard the case where Charles Barkley went on the air and essentially said that Ben Simmons is soft and, you know, for not playing. <clears throat> and then Barkley ben, or Shaq or both Barkley and Shaq? Um, I think that was, oh, you're right. It was Shaq. Right, right, right. It was Shaq because remember, because then Ben texts Shaq because they yeah. went to both went to LSU. Yeah. Right. It was Shaq. So Shaq then a day, you know, the next time basically they were on the air, came in and said, you know, apologized and walked back to his comments. So that's sort of the only other evidence that I have that goes back before the trade went through that says that maybe there is something that is we don't know about. Um that Shaq is sort of alluding to there um, because he was hesitant to say more than just that he's going through something. I, I believe that there's probably, this is probably a more of a case of there's truth on both extremes, but the, 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 what, what's actually going on is probably somewhere in the middle. Um, you know, he has these personal problems, which makes him less likely to want to push through what he needs to do to play as a, at, at an NBA level. And especially when you're someone like Ben is where your game is under such scrutiny. So you're always going to have sort of this pressure. It, it could make you sort of throw your hands up in frustration and be like, you know what? I'm just not going to be an NBA player right now. And this is not the environment where I'm going to ever get better. <clears throat> I want to, uh, because the, uh, a lot of the national media today and the, um, basketball Twitter outside of Sixers Twitter um, was really putting a lot of pressure on Philadelphia fans about how we mistreated Ben Simmons during his time here. I just wanted to go back and read a quote from uh, another player that we supposedly ran out of town here because they weren't performing uh, due to like, I don't know, a mental block or something like that. And that's Markel Fultz. And these are comments that Markel Fultz made in November, uh, just this past November, about Sixers fans. He said, quote, I didn't feel hate or anything. I felt love even from the fans. I think a lot of people get confused because they hear people in the media talking about how, how the fans treat me bad. But I never felt like the fans treated me bad. I felt like they always showed me love when I was in a game. They're very supportive. They're very happy. I got a standing ovation when I came back, you know, and I understand that Philly love. They die and breathe their team. So they're going to get on you when you're doing bad. They're going to love you when you're good. And that's kind of how my mom raised me, you know, like you're going to get that tough love if you need to do what you need to do. And that's like coming from the area of DMV. Like that's all we breed. So it never bothered me. I think a lot of people got confused with the media talking about, oh, the Philly fans do this, do that. But I always felt love when I was there. Right. And I think that that's absolutely true. I mean, I pretty fair assessment. Like also, he, yeah, also really fair assessment of how we treated Ben Simmons. I, right. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say, man. Like, how, what do you want us to do for the guy? Right. That's exactly it. Like, I, I think it feels like, first of all, we all know that the national media, for some reason, falls all over itself to make Philadelphia fans look like bad fans. Um they just it's just like a thing that the national media has done for decades it's it's a you know partly i think because we wear it with a badge of honor most of the time but um it is frustrating when it's talking about 
running people out of town because that's just not nearly as common as people would like to believe that happens in Philadelphia. We don't run people out of town. Um, and it's frustrating to be sort of lumped in at, with this group of terrible fans. What do they want? Apathy? Do they want us to just sit on our hands? Do they want silence in the face of, uh, you know, clearly something that is detrimental to what is the ultimate goal of why we care about sports? We don't care about sports to like finish sixth. You know what I mean? Like that's like we we all want to ascend to what is the highest point because when we get there, and if point of fact, look at any of the teams that have won championships in this town, uh, you ascend to basically godlike status around here. Pat Burrell is never going to pay for a beer in the city of Philadelphia. Chase Utley essentially could go and run for mayor and would probably be elected in a landslide. These people become popular doesn't even cover what, you know, what Jason Kelsey is going to be when he finally retires, what he is now, even still playing. Once you achieve these certain things, when Doug Peterson comes back, coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, he is going to be given a standing ovation. Oh, 100%. Totally. 100%. So, like... Even from the people who wanted him to move on. Right. Right. You know, it was it was fine. It was time. Whatever. Whether you... I, I, I don't know. I, how that all went down is always still going to be a mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we don't always gonna wish him, Doug so. any ill will. We appreciate what he did for this city and for this organization. And all of us are sort of always going to carry a soft spot for him and hope that his team's sort of, you know, at least he has some sort of personal success. And, but it's know? funny though, because be, you also don't have to win a title. No, that's true. Brian Dawkins you didn't want to win a title. Yeah. I mean, John Crook. Allen Iverson. I, yeah. Eric yeah, Winters, you don't have to win a title. It, Ron Hextall. Right. I mean, the list goes on. Uh, Ron Hextall's probably a, different, a, bad, a, bad, a bad analogy now. <laughs> Rod Brindamore. You you know, we don't run people out of town the way that people say that we do. You know, a lot of these cases are people that don't want to be here. People say we ran Scott Rowland out of town. We didn't run Scott Rowland out of town. He didn't want to be here. We certainly didn't run JD Drew out of town. I think the distinction is like is tough fan. Versus bad fan. And it's like, yes, it's a tough fan base. It's tough. Like, we we don't just, like, let it go. You know? It, it is tough in that sense. It's tough love. It, 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 it is tough. It's it, But it's a double-edged sword bad. to a long memory. You know? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's, you know, the highs are high. The lows are low. We, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It's passion. It's, it's just, it's tough. It's tough. It's not bad. Um, anyway, uh, what wh- what else about this? Hey, did you watch the press conference? The Harden press conference or the Ben Simmons press conference? The Harden I, press conference. I watched the Ben Simmons press conference, but I did not see the Harden. Uh, wh- uh, Daryl Morey called uh, Matisse Thibel, uh, Thibel, uh 
like 20 times. In so the are we wrong you think it's weird he doesn't know wrong. how to pronounce his own player's name? <laughs> I, I, I've heard only ever heard anyone else call him Thibel. And I yeah, think that's just, what Jason Blevins calls him. And I will default to what Jason calls everybody. No, I've, I've looked into this. It is yeah. most definitely 100% Thibel. Right. It is not Tybal, as uh, Daryl Morey was saying today. I thought, I thought that was odd. I'm sure um, that uh, I'm sure that Matisse is just like as long as he says untouchable, I'm good. <laughs> he, um, he can call me whatever he wants. What What do you think of? Uh, did you hear? Did you hear about the situation with Mina Kynes today? So is that the Olympic situation with the? Uh... No, 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 no. Mina, Mina Kynes is a, a like a really like an NFL analyst on ESPN. Oh, okay. So not a figure skater so, from Russia. So she um like destroyed Ben Simmons after the Hawks series. Um essentially saying this man deserves all of the criticism uh that's coming his way. Um had a lot of really anti Ben Simmons related tweets on her verified Twitter account um and then came out today very harsh against those that had criticized Ben Simmons, particularly Sixers fans, and then proceeded to go back and delete her tweets, her, wow. uh, her critical tweets about him. Talk um, about a heel turn Damn. from a year ago. Honestly, I think if you have, I don't have the luxury of having a verified account that just gets thousands of yeah. likes. Every time I just say like, I like coffee and it's like, <laughs> it's like 3000 <laughs> likes. Um, but a word of advice for those that do have uh, verified accounts. Don't delete your tweets uh, because the receipts are there. Someone screen capped it already. It's there forever. Just Yeah, and it. you're going to look way worse when you yeah, try to and just hide say, it. Like, I moved on. Or better yet, if you're not in the relationship, don't comment on the relationship because right. you don't know what went down. Right. Well, it's like one of those things where in like a spe specifically in this case, you 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 would you should comment something to the effect of I've changed my position. That you know yeah. that's what you would have yeah, had yeah. to done if you were if you worked in you know newspaper you would have had to write a column that says I've changed my mind. You can't yeah, you go back say, and erase what you've you, already published. Yeah, you could say, hey, back in, in, last spring, um, you know, I had to take I didn't have all the information with the information that I have now. My position on this has evolved. I think we should give Ben Simmons a break. And you know what? Then none of us would be talking about this. So instead, she actually would be like, wow, what a, what an evolved uh, what an evolved human being that is. What, what, what species of person is this? Because I have yeah. never heard anyone. Where did they come uh, from? It's say certainly not before. usually what you see on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so you wanted to talk a little uh, a little Carson Wentz. What do you got for us, Gene? So, and I mean, Talking about players we've run out yet. of town. <laughs> another person we did not run out of town. Another There's person another adversity adverse player. It's just like, yeah, I mean, and talk about somebody who literally couldn't get out of like a shadow, like, you know the irreparable damage of the Eagles winning a Super Bowl, you know, it seemed like he seemed to be the only one in Philadelphia that was not super happy about the fact that we won a Super Bowl. Um, you know, he probably has that ring like buried out in the backyard in Jersey. Um, yeah. So we all saw sort of, I mean, 
the epic collapse. I mean, we were all keeping tabs on his basically his snap count all year because it had bearing on the Eagles draft position. And sure. that was something that we were invested in quite literally. Uh, it was amazing to sort of watch the Eagles fortune sort of rise near the end of the season and Carson Wentz's fortune sort of tumble at the end of the season. And um, from what I'm gathering, if you sort of take notes on the uh, general manager's press conference at the end of the season and the head coach's press conference at the end of the season, it seems to me that the ownership in Indianapolis is sort of coming down and saying, we aren't going to pay that roster bonus in March. So you need to find a trade or we're going to cut him. We're not going to pay that guy his 15 million in March that he's owed for that roster bonus. So, I mean, that's the thing is now you've got to find a trade partner that wants to take that contract, you know, cause he was paid like DAC money or just under DAC money. It's a massive contract. Oh, God, where would be, but they don't like, want to pay. Where would be a good landing spot for him? Pittsburgh. That's what I think. God, Pittsburgh. But do they even want? Like, would they do that? I, I, I think that would be a good spot for his skill set. If I, I were Pittsburgh, I'd rather, I'd rather roll with Jimmy G. Yeah. I'm. I mean, New Orleans. I think needs a quarterback. Uh, Houston needs a quarterback. God, like eight teams that need know. quarterbacks. That's crazy. So, you know, here we are, not even a year from that trade, and Carson Wentz is already back sort of in circulation. So, I mean, by Howard Eskin logic, you know, is he going to be like, well, you know, you're going to be on three teams in 18 months. <laughs> yeah, but – Carson Wentz isn't a future Hall of Fame or a perennial all-star MVP candidate. Um, wow, well, boy. How, how the, we thought he I mean, might What be. the hell happened to Carson Wentz? <laughs> I mean, that would be – it would be a great 30 for, for 30, you know. What the hell I happened guess, to Carson I guess. Wentz? I honestly think I, – I honestly think it's like a Greek tragedy. I mean, the, mm -hmm. the hubris of the guy was really his own downfall. And um, – I think that he uh, fell victim to a lot of uh, jealousy, um, like some deep-seated need to prove himself after the Nick Foles situation. I mean, all the reports of like being a bad teammate and everything. I, I, I it really feels to me like he had all this talent. Him to Indianapolis that didn't go away. Yeah, we saw it in 2017. We saw the talent. We saw the ability. We saw uh, what was the year uh, that he just like really just muscled them into the play like, two years ago, where he just, you know where we lost to the Seahawks. Where he just sort of muscled them into the postseason uh, with some really incredible late season play. So the talent was always there. It was just the the, the head was just not. Um, I don't know. It just wasn't. Well, I mean, like on just was, right or something. Like I, the, once that collapse started, you know, you just could see it on the field. Because I don't think that Jalen Hurts is such a a dynamic talent. You know, he's a he's a good quarterback. But I think that the thing that's been most effective about the switch from Carson Wentz to Jalen Hurts is simply the fact that Jalen Hurts is a much better 
leader, like his leadership qualities, his ability to rally the the troops, so to speak, uh, the ability to get his guys behind him is exponentially better than Carson Wentz. Um, you know, those guys want to play to make Jalen Hurts better. They want to help Jalen Hurts succeed. They want to help him keep his job. They want him to be the quarterback of the team. Uh, I think if you went into that locker room in 2019 and asked, took a survey of players anonymously, I guarantee you that the majority of those offensive players did not want Carson Wentz to be the quarterback of that team. No way. And that's why Nick Foles had to get traded because they had a lot more money invested in Carson Wentz. It's possible that they could have kept Nick Foles another year with sort of how that team was constructed. Maybe they make another run at it. He just happened to be that perfect fit between Doug Peterson quarterback and, and coach sort of relationship that you just don't see other places. I mean, at the end of the day, amazing, like incredible that we got a first round pick out of this deal for a player that just totally like fell apart, a huge fall from grace and look what's happened now. And I mean, if you're a Colts fan, I mean, just how do you, I mean, how do you reconcile this? This is gross malpractice of management to make that trade and uh and yeah, allow that first round pick like, to slip we you know we we trust you that you're going to go out and do the thing that we believe is going to make us better and for you know from the outside looking in you thought great we fleeced these guys now we have a franchise quarterback and frank reich should have known better he was there he he, he knew him and now look at what they've been left with it's 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 one of those things where you're sort of looking at and the Super Bowl is a good example of this. You're looking at in the Super Bowl this year, you're looking at two teams that sort of were built two different ways. You had Cincinnati, who <laughs> to some degree over 30 years had to build slowly, build through the draft. And finally, they connect on a guy like Joe, Joe Burrow. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe they're a little bit ahead of schedule, but he's just that good of a player that he sort of was able to, through sort of just, fluky, insane plays beating these juggernauts of the AFC on their home field in overtime. Um, just, you know, like some legendary stuff, stuff that people are going to talk about for decades. And then you have the Rams who bought their team, essentially. And when it right. looked like they were going to stumble, they went and spent a little more money. They went and got um, Odell Beckham and added him to the mix to sort of put them over the top. And you sort of saw that, you know, both of these dynamics of how you build an NFL team clashing in the Super Bowl. You know, if you're Howie Roseman, what, what direct, you know, you're really sort of sitting on the precipice of is now the time where the Eagles are going to try to build from the draft, or is this where you take those three first round picks and that's sort of like your, your, your bank and do you go out and try and get a player or two that puts you over the top? Maybe more importantly, do you think the Eagles are a player or two over the top? And is that player a guy like Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson? Are you asking? Are you you're asking me? Yeah. I don't, yeah. Do you think like if the Eagles went and got Russell Wilson, they win the Super Bowl next year? 
I don't know that they're, they're. I don't know that they're that close. I, I I don't know that they're close enough. I to to do. I mean, like I I don't know that they're that close. <laughs> so your preference, I guess, would be, and it's, I sort of agree. But I don't let. So Aaron, I don't know that Aaron Rodgers is going to be available. I, I I don't. I don't really. I'm not really in love with uh, Russell Wilson. So. I, I guess I am in camp, use the draft picks to strengthen the team. And uh, hopefully you can use a little free agency also um, to sauce it up a little bit. And then, you I mean, you just don't know. I mean, like the, your fortunes change in the NFL so fast that it, the Eagles could be a contender next year. You, don't, you just don't know. I mean – you didn't know that the that the Bengals were going to be a contender this year. You just don't know. So maybe maybe Jalen Hurts takes a huge step forward uh, in this offseason and and puts in tons of time and, and effort and uh, improves his game so much that you know I like I I don't know. <laughs> I guess we'll see what happens. I, I don't want to. I'm glad I'm not making those decisions, but you know. We'll see what Howie does. Right. And I think that this is sort of going to be the real test of whether Howie Roseman is going to be remembered as the great architect of Eagles football for his tenure, or if really it was, you know, it could have been better if Howie hadn't have sort of fumbled the ball off. Yeah. Um. All right. Got anything else on the slate tonight, Gene? You want to? You well, want to talk about? Well, I mean, about? one of the things that we could we could talk about, you know, and it, our favorite subject where nothing is happening, um, the sport of baseball. Um, Bryce Harper, I think today or yesterday, sort of let it be known that he is packed and ready to go to spring training whenever that happens. Um, you saw that. I am frustrated to say the least i have not looked forward to a philly season as much as i've looked forward to this upcoming season in a long time um i really can't wait to sort of see them try and turn the corner you know i mean i feel like they're just a very intriguing team right now to me making us wait is sort of frustrating um the only real baseball news i i think that we've gotten that is worth discussing is i think we can confirm that the universal DH takes starts what next year. There's no, there's no, we've seen our pitcher, you know, we've seen the pitcher bat for the last time in major league. When you say next year, you mean this coming season, right? Whenever it happens. Yeah, I guess. We have seen the pitcher bat for the last time. Uh, Not necessarily, but yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, as far as like being in the lineup, you know, pitchers will bat, but you know, it would be in. If you're, pitcher but if your pitcher bats if the pitcher bats you lose your dh slot right isn't that how um, the rule works i think so so if you're if whoever is in the playing the pitcher position when their spot in the order comes up if they bat you then lose the dh spot right right is that like yeah. the show shohei otani rule I mean, you're certainly still going to see situations where Vince Velasquez comes off the bench to to, to, 
to swing the lumber for another team. Well, you're but, right, because you can only you can only carry so many. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting. You want to talk about uh Camilla Valieva? So that is the Russian figure skater. Yes, that is the Russian Russian figure skater who yes. I did not know her name, but I do have opinions on her. Well, what are your opinions? That's what we're here for, Gene. You got opinions? You got hot so, takes? So this is one of the most absurd the hot decisions. takes on a 15-year-old ice skater. I don't have hot takes necessarily on her, other than the fact that like there's no reason why she should even be are they hot skates? Yeah, they're hot skates, but <laughs> um I don't know how it got to this point. Like how why anything called the Russian Federation is even allowed to compete. Like that whole thing is a sham of a joke of a sham. Like if you ban Russia, it doesn't mean like if the United States gets banned, I, I, I shouldn't be like seeing like the, the the Federation of Missouri, you know, competing in the Olympics. I love you how know? the IOC makes FIFA look like, like such a well, well organized um, stand up organization. And this is the worst case of like, we all had teachers who like, if something would go wrong, Rather than like try and discipline the you know the person that actually committed said act of whatever, they would make everybody stay in for recess or give everybody detention. <laughs> and this is like the worst case of that that on like the biggest sports scale because now they're saying in like the one of the premier events in the Winter Olympics that draws. This has been one of the lamest Olympics I've ever seen, not in terms of the competition, but in terms of like interest with anyone that I've come in contact with, the, the quality of the broadcast. It's just so flavorless. It's just got no no juice, as they say. And to now take one of your premier events and basically say, if she we're going to let her compete and um, if she medals, nobody gets a medal. That's absurd. It's totally no. Well, no one gets the ceremony. I've heard that. I, I thought I understood it as like, if he, she medals, no one gets the medal until after her case. Oh, until the is, investigation is complete. Right. In like the and that premier fucking event of the Winter Olympics. Mm -hmm. Right. Like everyone's mom is glued to NBC to watch. The figure skating and the Winter Olympics. Right. I mean, that's just. And let's say this girl gets the is. bronze medal. Well, that means that nobody gets a medal. And right, I mean, I think right now she's leading. Yeah, I think she's going to win the gold. But that's well, because she's she was on something because she's on the juice or whatever. Like you know, she was <laughs> the juice is loose. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I mean, like to me, it just seems pretty cut and dried. Like. Uh, Look, I mean, and the and the Olympic, the Olympics have always been this very like, nope, that's the rule. Nope, in a positive test. Nope, sorry. No, nope. what was her name? Sharia. Um, oh, from the Summer Olympics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's mm -hmm. like, nope, sorry, you smoked a dube. You can't race. I don't care if it makes you slower. It's still unfair because it's an illegal site. Like, nope, those are the rules. She, so she must I don't be sitting wherever why. she is in this country, just raging, just raging into the night. 
Yeah, I'm sure she, but like, I don't understand what is what. So, first off, the IOC kisses the ass of these communist dictatorships all over the globe and bend over backwards to try to give them Olympic Games. And, 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 uh, and it's, now it's this. I, I just, I don't know. But it, it's so stupid. Like, you're telling me that was the best solution, not like we won't give her a medal like why can't if if it's my sister or my mother or my daughter that's won an olympic medal in this sport and she's got the silver medal why can't because you all three of them get to hear their anthems why can't the position that's in dispute be left empty why are you i know like why can't you just take the medal Put it in a safe somewhere. Put it next to the uh, what is it? The 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 nineteen eighty USA basketball team silver medals, whatever. Just put it in that vault wherever that is, and and let it sit there until you figure it out, and let everyone else just enjoy their life. That uh, is one of my favorite Olympic sort of stories. Is that did I get the right year? The nineteen it was nineteen eighty. Uh, it's it's either like eighty or seventy four. Eighty four, seventy six, eighty something like that. Yeah. That they're that there's just a vault in Switzerland that has all of their medals, and they've all agreed none of them have taken them. I was like, like one dude wasn't like you know what, just give me mine. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like that would be so insanely valuable because it's it's famous. It is right. famously locked right. up. You know what I mean? Listen, Nobody has one. It's like you know, listen, it would be I'm so seventy tempted. years old. Like I'll just take the medal. <laughs> Well, can you imagine being like one of those guys' kids? It's like, Dad, just like in the will, like when you're dead, just like leave one to me. But no, but they won't take them. Yeah. They've all agreed that like they might as well just melt them down as far as those guys on that team are concerned. They're oh, never no. going to be released. They're just going to sit in a vault until it's, mm-hmm. until somebody robs the vault. There is a 30 for 30 for that one, isn't there? Yeah. If not, there should be. Yeah, no, and it's, I mean, it's the, you know, there's what, like 20 of them? However many people were on that that team, it's not just like one. It Like everybody agreed, the whole thing, like they had a meet. How do you get that many people to agree on one thing? On every- anything, I, I it's know. It's amazing. I know. That there's I not bet you one that, guy well, I'll tell you what. You know, Stewie, why the fuck do you go to Switzerland every year and demand your goddamn medals? <laughs> they, can, they can all agree not to take that medal, but I bet you they don't all wear masks. I bet you they're not all vaccinated. <laughs> but but they all that agreed medal. that like we all got a hair up our ass about this and we're not gonna take those damn medals. Yeah, but fuck that medal. That's good times right there. I love that. That's that's <laughs> that's fun. Um all right, you wanna wrap it? Yeah, I think that's all I, I mean got. so but by the way, like Villanova is um if you're a college basketball fan at all. Uh, Villanova is playing Providence right now, basically for pole position in the, uh, in the big East. And, uh, there is three minutes left and Nova's up by five. So, uh, let's all go watch the end of that game and was, we'll be back that on in, CBS uh, tonight. It's on C, uh, uh, CBS sports network. If you uh, okay. have a, I have no idea. Beefed up said. sports package. You can, Eight, uh, you can check it out. Something I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so we'll be back in two weeks. Um, but listen, by then we'll see, we'll get some hardened games under our belt. We'll be rocking and rolling. Hopefully we get a Claude Giroux trade. Uh, we'll see who the next captain of the, uh, of the Philadelphia Flyers is going to be. 
Maybe we get some movement on baseball. Like I was all set to wear my Philly spring training gear tonight in honor mm -hmm. of you know what would have been spring training. But I had to throw the yeah. Nova, uh, the Nova gear on. You made the right the choice. Um, <clears throat> so uh, so yeah, we'll be back uh, back next Tuesday. So until then, uh, if you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Also check us out on social media: Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search. Potadelphia. If you have any more time in your podcast listening day, be sure to check out the whip around for all the week's weird news. Also check out the painted lines uh, on Facebook and YouTube for your wall to wall Philly sports coverage. And uh, until we meet again, everyone have a great day at work, everybody. We are out of here.